interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. It's so good to be back here on the best horror podcast out there. Uh, yeah, it's October. That means it is super, super my bloody podcast time with all the spooky stuff happening. It's scary. It's frightening. And we have a wonderful show for you today. We have lots of good guests on. We're going to talk mainly pretty much all about our time at Fantastic Fest, the spookiest, most best time of the year for us. Fantastic Fest showing all those great horror movies, action, foreign and porn films at the Genre Festival in Austin, Texas at the Alamo Draft House. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who I go to film festivals with and play beer pong with and watch maybe movies with Preston yeah. Marta. How are you? Yeah, do, doing a lot better because I actually have a reserved ticket tonight to see a movie with you. That's so, true. That That is true. We're going to do that. We also have um, our returning champion from fear and loathing podcast chelsea she is here to talk about fantastic fest because we all got to see her live she did the whole thing she did the whole thing she'll have a different take how are you i'm good i'm i'm so little exhausted after it but i'm 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 good yeah yeah uh press and i were there for a couple days chelsea was there for 10 days so we're gonna get into that uh dan moran is also here from Fear and Loathing, he's the man that lives in Austin. Did he go to Fantastic Fest? Yes or no? No, I heard all three of you were coming, so I got out of town. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the correct answer. Uh, <laughs> all right, see you later, Dan. <laughs> later, bud. Uh, Dan's here. We're going to talk all about Fantastic Fest. But first, before we get into Fantastic Fest, Preston got to host and put on uh, a great retro movie screening of one of his favorite movies he's going to talk about with us right now preston what's up so yes every once in a while we'll uh because brian and i a couple episodes ago we did evil dead 2 we did a special evil dead 2 episode where we went to one of the alamo draft houses movie parties that they do which if you don't know about them. I'll quickly just give you a rundown. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's going to a retro screening of some sort, a movie that's beloved um, and celebrated. And so you can just kind of watch it with a bunch of other people with movie props, all kinds of stuff. Sometimes they have exclusive menus and uh, you can shout the lines of the movie. It can be a good time. Most of the time they'll have somebody moderating not, not really a conversation but just kind of doing like warming up the audience getting them excited for what they're about to do because it's fun to go to those screens with people who have not seen those movies because it can be uh, like probably the most exciting experience that you'll probably have watching that particular movie because uh, I went with my wife and <clears throat> if anybody knows our relationship the mummy is very much a part of our relationship's dna like that is the one movie 
that is like our movie together. We watch it. I want to say 12 times a year. Um, we watch that movie so much. We go to bed to it sometimes. And it's just something that is uh, that we can always just both agree on. Whenever we have an argument about like what we should watch for the night or we're spending too much time scrolling through all the different platforms and we can't find something that is the one that we'll settle on. Um, so to see this movie in theaters, which I haven't seen since, uh, you know, when I was nine or whatever, when it came out um, and it was such an influential movie to me, because uh, go back and listen to our mummy episode on my bloody podcast. Um, so anyway, uh, compared to the experience that we had at evil dead Two, because uh, to recap that real quickly, Brian and I, of course, loved the movie Evil Dead 2. Uh, we enjoyed the props that we got, but nothing, we weren't told like really what to do with them. Uh, the person who was warming up the audience didn't seem to really know too much about the Evil Dead franchise in general, and it just felt very lackluster. This, Brian, was the complete opposite. Yes. It was a hell of a lot of fun. This person that definitely was the best hype man, a uh, hype person that I've had at a screening who knew so many of the lines, knew all the jokes, knew behind the scenes stuff and made it fun and refreshing and just got us, exa did exactly what you want when going, paying the extra amount to go to a movie party. They listened to us. They listened yeah. to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this one movie prop wise, we got some uh, white cats toys, so we can hold it up whenever the mummy was around. Um, <laughs> we, we got um, some scarab toys um, that we got to hold up uh, whenever uh, somebody got killed by a scarab. And uh, what else? Uh, we got some tattoos. So you could maybe not be culturally appropriate to put some of the tattoos that they have on their face. But, hey, it's a good time. I can put it on in the privacy of my own home and don't feel like I need to have the judgment. So, um, yeah, it was just so much fun. Every line, like, you know, uh, uh, you're on the wrong side of the river and uh, – all, just like every, all the great lines, everything from Win, Winston, uh, just like every love, every character that you love um, and everybody just, just going, woo, like every hot person in that movie, which is like almost everybody. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that movie is uh, just one of the very, very best to me. And I'm glad that the Alamo Draft House did this on and really got me just, that was my, this was me getting into the spooky movie season and it was a great way to do it. So um, go to the Alamo drafthouse.com uh, or drafthouse.com and look up uh, in your area where they're doing movie parties. I think they're doing some for like mean girls. Maybe that's already passed already, but they have some Halloween ones coming up. I think they're doing stuff for like hocus pocus and things like that. So uh, nightmare before Christmas. So uh, all kinds of stuff in all different uh, age groups. So you can take your kids to some of those things too. Cool. Thank you for recapping that the mummy. I know it's one of your favorites. I'm glad you got to do that. We got to do another one of those. Yeah, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, let's move on to Fantastic Fest. Fantastic Fest. Dan, since you were not there, why don't you lead us off? Yep, I got about 10 minutes before I have to pop off here. So I wanted to interview you three. First of all, I'm glad you enjoyed Austin. 
Second of all, I want to know what was each of your favorite movie that you saw and how we will be able to see it as people who did not go to Fantastic Fest. Do you know when it's getting released? Is it going to be in theaters? Is it on Shutter? So I guess I will start with Brian. Okay, the best movie I saw actually wasn't a feature-length movie. It was a short film, and it was called um, Fishmonger. And Fishmonger is directed by Neil Ferran, and it is a 25-minute journey in black and white that is gross, (laughs) violent, and has a musical number in it uh, about a man who is trying to save his dying mother by getting his dick sucked by a mermaid. And it is unbelievably good and amazing and sweet and sad and scary and gross. And it's like everything I wanted in a movie and a short film. It won Slam Dance uh, short film. Fishmonger, I do not know how you're going to be able to see this. I... I can maybe share it with people that I know, but uh, it's amazing. I, that's my it's my favorite thing that I saw of Fantastic Fest. Does does the filmmaker have a Instagram or something so you can like stay up to date with it and maybe? Keep yes, up? It, it, follow Neil for him and I are have been texting each other because uh, we met at Fantastic Fest beforehand and then during there. Uh, he's a great dude, uh, and yes, Neil Ferron, uh, Ferron F E R R O N Neil. Uh, is on Instagram and everywhere. Follow him. It's unbelievable. Fishmonger took me on a ride. That sounds, it sounds like it. Uh, not what I expected. It sounded like you were reading Pornhub titles there for a couple minutes, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> Preston, what did you like? Um, I would have to say it's this movie called The Last Stop in Yuma County. It's uh, directed by a, a relatively new filmmaker named, uh, and I apologize if I butcher his, his name, uh, Francis Gillespie. Like he's, he um, is somebody like for, for a while there, it was uh, our, Brian and I's favorite movie was uh, What You Wish For. But after I saw this one, like this is exactly everything that uh, on our last show on Fear and Loathing Twilight is it is exactly what we want out of a film. Good script work, bleed style, writes itself into corners and manages to find ways to be interesting and new and, and be unexpected. So the movie is about a traveling uh, knife salesman who's uh, stranded and forced to wait at a rural uh, rest stop uh, because he's running out of gas, but the only gas station within a hundred miles is this one, but they don't have any gas. So they have to wait for the tank truck to come in and bring it in. So everybody who comes through um, needs to, needs to pretty much just stay there or they're going to run out of gas uh, down the road. Um, So they're all just kind of hanging out at this diner and it starts with uh, this traveling uh, knife salesman played by the great Jim Cummings. And so uh, there's a whole list of actors in here that are fantastic that you would know, uh, like uh, Richard Brake, who is most recently in uh, what's the uh, what's the movie that came out last year that we all love? Barbarian. Um, So there's that. Uh, He's in it. Really great. Um, so I'll just say that the the thing that really turns up the heat is that the next people that come through are two bank robbers who just recently robbed this bank and they're in the same pickle 
waiting on this gas uh, uh, to come through. And so they're waiting in the diner, trying to keep a low profile, but people are starting to know uh, who they are. And then it just becomes like this mix of like the hateful eight with like a history of violence kind of thing. Um, so it's got like that Tarantino-esque type of like sharp dialogue, um, but also just like keeping you on your toes, not knowing it, like just like really great character work. Uh, Michael Abbott Jr. is in this as like the sheriff of the town. He's kind of like this, like nothing ever happens in our town. So I shouldn't be concerned about anything. But so everybody has like this unique thing, character trait about them that is just like so interesting. And so I talked to the director of that film and we kind of got a little bit into that, like these like fast track characterization moments where they, it's just like a character behavior, a line of dialogue or what have you, that just makes everyone uniquely different. And it's just the the tension just escalates. Like you think that where else can it really go from here? They find another corner. So it's just that kind of fun. So I really enjoyed that one. That's the last stop in Yuma County. Uh, it's seeking distribution. So I don't know when it'll come out, hopefully next year sometime. Uh, it's got a really great cast. Like I said, there's even some like surprise uh, performances in there uh, of people that you would know. Um, so uh, I, I would suggest following that director, uh, Francisco Lepi on Instagram, and uh, he'll, he'll keep you up to date. I think he recently got signed as a director to an agency. So uh, people are finding him and they should. So, yeah, great movie. I think that you should send him this clip so the, like, the tagline on the poster could be like, Hateful Eight meets a history of violence, dot, 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 better than Twilight. And then just have your name. There you go. <laughs> that, would be, that's, that would be amazing. That'd be good. Um, Chelsea, give us give us what the real best movie was. Come on. <laughs> what was it? Um, so I for me it was it was a toss-up between um When Evil Lurks um and one of the secret screenings, but um for the planned festival, I will say when evil lurks. Um, I really thought Talk to Me was going to be kind of my, you know, hands down favorite of 2023. And then this just absolutely like slugs you in the face. This is probably one of the most. This is probably the meanest movie I've ever seen. The the evil lives up. I I texted y'all when the trailer came out while y'all were there. I said, is anyone seeing when evil lurks? Cause this trailer just ruined my Saturday morning. And as <laughs> soon as you did that, I put it, I, I put it on my schedule and it's actually the first movie that I saw. Um, and really nothing quite got there. Um, it's, it's directed and written by, I feel like I'm going to butcher his name. Damien Rugna. I think Preston, you inter- interviewed him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I just this movie, this mo- this movie is so fucking mean. Um, I just I just think it's a it's amazing, and the whole kind of like I don't know if anyone saw the the Q and A after, but it's just people were asking him how did you get um, because violence towards children is a big theme in in this movie, and uh, Brian's Brian's thumbs and children in peril. Yeah. Oh, they they are definitely in the most peril they have ever been. Um, I turned to one of my friends and I said, "This really, this movie really said fuck them kids." Yeah. Um, but 
I just, I've never you watched the Babadook and was like, I got to get revenge on kids. Oh, absolutely. I just, I've never seen anything so mean. And I came out of this and I was just like, I love this. And <laughs> in, like I, I was saying in the Q and a, um, everybody was like, how did you get, you know, how did you explain to these parents um, what you were going to do for their, like with their children? And he's like, well, it took about two hours and some change to kind of like explain it, but we got there. And um, he also talked about how at the end credits, you can see like the country of Argentina put its like seal of approval on it. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I can't wait to see what he does next, honestly. Um, and I just, the whole, if the whole country of Argentina is behind you, I mean, the whole terrible country of Florida that I'm in um, <laughs> is behind him as well. But um, that was definitely by far my fa- my favorite thing that I saw. Yeah, that, that sounds that, awesome. That was my that close second. I think yeah. that one's got a release date coming up too. Yeah. So that so that I, I I know is a limited theatrical in October six, and I think Shutter at the end of October. That's awesome. All right. Well, I will be there next year, guys. Y'all have fun talking about all the celebrities you you met, and I will be there next year. I have to go do some work. <laughs> Love you, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic Fest. Thank you. Was Fantastic Fest better than Twilight before I leave? Absolutely. No. <laughs> That's how this show's going to go. <laughs> See y'all later. All right. So we have Chelsea saying, yes, it's better than Twilight. And Preston saying, no, it was not better than Twilight. We're going to talk about what happened at Fantastic Fest this year. Um, I feel like we got to do that right away. Um, besides the movies, because we're there for the movies. Um, Preston and I wouldn't know it, though. Um, so it's Fantastic Fest. Chelsea, I believe this is her third year going. Uh, correct? Yes. Yes, your third year going. And Preston and I, I think this is our ninth or tenth year going to Fantastic mm-hmm. Fest together. And everybody everybody who is not in our industry and then everybody who is in our industry doesn't really seem to know what Fantastic Fest is. And when I describe Fantastic Fest to them, and I'm sure Preston the same way, it's like it's the best film festival we've ever been to. It is for movie fans, people who literally love everything about cinema. Yeah, go back and listen to our last episode last week and hear the excitement in our voices. Yes, exactly. And the things that I say, like they not only show the best movies that we love there, but is also super accessible and inclusive to everybody here. And it's where, unlike any other film festival press and I have been to, whether it be South by or, or Sundance or even smaller ones, uh, there is not a pretentious bone in its body. Um, it's very easy to go up to the celebrities that are there because the celebrities who go to Fantastic Fest don't just go usually for their movie. They go to spend like the week, five days there because it's so much fun and talking with everybody. So it all changed this year and it went under everybody's nose. Um, That's not the case this year that happened. Uh, What happened was they hired a new film uh, festival director 
And I think it all falls on her shoulders on how big of a failure Fantastic Fest was. I know there are other people to blame, but it falls on the festival director's shoulders solely. And I do think there should be repercussions. Um, But we went to a film festival. People who paid upwards of $600 for a badge to go here, as well as press members like Preston and I, did not get to see movies because they oversold the festival. Not only that, they changed the theater a couple months prior and had a seating capacity 20% less than what was originally done. Um, And it just seemed to be more about money and greed than actually seeing movies. Um, Whereas in every other festival prior to this, it was... You, I, we got to see every movie we wanted. It was accessible. It was inclusive. It was friendly. This year didn't seem that way, and I solely blame the the new festival director um, for that. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's where I'm placing my blame at because she's in charge. Um, so I know Preston feels the same way as me, but we love to have Chelsea on there because Chelsea had a very opposite experience from us too. And I want, I I can't wait to hear that side of it because Press and I look forward to this every year as Chelsea does. And we had such visceral, strong, opposite reactions to it. Um, But first, before Chelsea, Preston, does anything I say not true? Or am I being too overboard with it? The, The only thing I'd probably say is that I don't know if I would completely point the finger at this new director I think that you're right in some way that, you know, anybody who is the head honcho or the boss has to take ownership of what, what, what doesn't work. Um, So in part, I would say so, but I just like you also lightly mentioned there that there's a lot of variables here at play and it could have been so many different things. There, there's so many uh, like we we've heard ticketing failures all across all across the nation with different festivals, even like Beyond Fest was having some issues ahead of, uh, if, if I'm remembering that correctly, but uh, Taylor Swift, tickets like that. Uh, so it's just all kinds of systems have been failing. Um, right, but that's the Ticketmaster system. That's the Ticketmaster system. Fantastic yeah. Fest prior to this year did not have that system. In Ex- exactly. Yeah. 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 So somebody, I don't know who, but somebody made that decision to go that route with that ticketing system and felt like it was a good way to go when I don't know, like every year we, I think we get asked like, what, what's, what can we do to be better? Um, And most of the time I think I'll just, cause I have such a great time every year. I submit like the system that y'all have right now is like, it was great. Like don't touch it. And that's how their ticketing system has been in the past. And as we talked about, I think previously that we got, there was, there was a way for us to wake up or or open up our um, program at 10 AM and make every selection that we could possibly want down to the fifth option in every time block. So there was an opportunity to see something. Um, And I never had an issue getting able to see the things that I wanted to see. Yeah. And that element was taken away from us without us knowing, like we were told, like, you're going to get a movie. And for two and a half days straight, Preston and Warren 
and Chris and Alex and I did not get a movie to go see. Yeah. Alex got a little more lucky. He, he, he somehow got into like salt burn and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, still, it was just a, it was a very unfair system compared to years past. Everything that, uh, the reason why we talk so, spoke so highly of Fantastic Fest in years past is because of their system. They had like a flow to everything that was just like, it was unmatched compared to other film festivals that we've gone to, like Brian said. And so like, even when you're in the lobby and hanging out and waiting for movies, like we spoke so highly of that because we, for one, we had an actual lobby to stand in and we weren't standing out in the heat outside. Um, but we were in there and we we're just conversing. You're, you're sometimes you run into a filmmaker and talk to them. There just wasn't a lot of space for us to be able to do that with this uh, changed um, uh, layout of the of the theater now um, so I understand it like the movie theater needs to exist outside of Fantastic Fest they want to put more movie theaters in there to uh, you know show a variety of different films um, they want the comfort to be there they want Alamo in the past has always tried really hard to try to make the best theatrical experience that they could possibly do um, so it's just, there's all these things, all these, yeah, all these things come to, came together this year and it just didn't work for me. Um, so not, not only was the ticketing system extremely frustrating to log in at 10 AM and you pretty much had to focus on the one movie you wanted to get. And so what happened was out of so the whole day, for, not out of a time slot, out of the day, out of the day. Yeah. So Secret screening, that, that's the thing that you don't want to miss because that's the fun thing. So you, you would be like, okay, I'm going to put all my sights on that. Um, they have three theaters. Oh, shit. Two of them are already sold out. How? I guess the 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 uh, super badges and super fan badges and everything like got that opportunity or filmmaker uh, tickets, guest tickets, things like that. Who knows? So many different things there. But they were sold out. One's left. Oh, it's the smallest theater they have. How many people's that seat? Probably 30 people. There's no fucking way I'm getting into that. And that's exactly what happened. So you would still try. So I I would do that. I would go for that that theater and then we would get the whole like you would add add ticket to your cart. Check out the wheels going. Oh, your internet is not my internet's fine. What the hell is your problem? No, it said like there was a network error on there. Yeah. App. Retry. <laughs> yeah. And, and but but then, yeah, you would retry, do it again. Oh, all the tickets are gone. And they're like, well, shit, I got to go try to get my next one in line. Oh, all those are gone, too. Oh, the, everything I want to see is gone. So that that was that's how I felt for like it happened on Saturday. And it was the most frustrating thing because everything that I had seen up to the point. So Toxic Avenger was the the festival opener it was a little bit easier to get into that because you know, more theaters were, were showing that and it was like the one movie that um, other films didn't want to compete with. So it was a little easier to get into stuff on opening night and a little bit on Friday. We got lucky with Friday because some of the movies that we were still going for sold out, but they added screens to it. So we still managed to get into some of those. Um, but Saturday, complete different story. Got into nothing. Still had interviews lined up and commitments, so I stuck to those. So most of the best experiences, the movies that we uh, 
kind of already mentioned here. I watched screener links of them. I could have done that at my house. I wasted yeah. my time. Everything that Brian was talking about before, like uh, there's so many for a press member or anybody really, like they're making a lot of sacrifices to, to, to be there for me. I live in North Texas. I live in the Ditton Dallas area. So it takes me about four hours to get there. And Fantastic Fest is something I look forward to all year long because it's it allows me to just hang out with my friends and watch movies and do the things that I love to do and just kind of leave all the worries of what I deal with on a daily basis and be able to just escape. I didn't get to do that this year because I took on more stress than I was having in my daily life. And I, I found that so frustrating. And it, it almost felt like I was betrayed by a friend. Um it was, it was, and I'll tell you why, Preston, is a good, it's a good analogy of being betrayed by a friend because not only did we not get into those movies, but they added the icing, the fucking poisonous icing on top of that by telling us press members, please let us know, email us with what movies you want and we'll get you in. Only for us to email them what movies we wanted and then get rejection letters every time slot. Say, yeah. nope sorry you're not getting in and it was just like oh my god it's just like it's like a double thing it's like oh i'm you're saying like i can't get in every year i've been able to get in let us know what you're gonna get in here we'll give you a ticket i actually got physical tickets and then that were physically taken away from me right before the screen saying there's no space and i'm just like yeah. what is happening yeah, a lot of that stuff. So I just because of the conversation, because the one thing, you know, on Saturday was to get into that 150 uh, secret screening. Mm -hmm. And I was we, we heard through the grapevine that there was only like, I don't know, like 11 or something tickets that they were going to give out. It was something low. And I was like, that's impossible. Why am I going to go for that? Because I'm just going to waste my time. And so I, I, uh, I still sent in my email list of everything I want to see. I never heard anything back. And then I, and I know you still made an effort to go up to the tape. And I went, I did that Saturday morning. I said, Hey, I didn't get into any of these things. I was told like the same thing that you said. And so I sent in the email, didn't hear anything back. Uh, but then you still went up there the next day to try to get in there. And then that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I just, I was like, it, it, it's it just, yeah, it felt like a friend, um, that friend that like moves on and is uh, finding like found a new thing in life and they're, they're leaving you in the dust. And, and so, uh, yeah. And so, um, I told myself that if I did not get into anything for Sunday, I was going to leave. Uh, I already had a couple of interviews lined up, but I would be in a position where I could possibly still do them via Zoom and things like that. And so the same thing happened on Sunday and I made the decision to leave. Um, so I did a couple of interviews on Sunday, was about to leave uh, right away. Um, but I stuck around or was that Saturday? I can't remember. Um, we we y'all convinced me to to hang out and I had wait a second, wait a second, time. wait a second. Right, wait a ahead. second. Let's tell the real story of how you got to stay. Sure. Okay. I texted you. I no, you told me in person. You told, told me you in person to stay. Come on, stay. You said no. Who was it that actually got you to stay? Chelsea. Chelsea did. <laughs> so she uh, so it's because the band-aid was just ripped off when when you and I were talking. 
And at that point, I was waiting around for Alex to get out of his movie or his interview to give him my uh, SD card that had all my footage on it because I didn't want to leave him without it. Um, and I was going to leave. I was going to get my stuff and leave uh, pretty early. And then um, I was checking with her to see where she was at so I could just give somebody the card. But then she said that she was already back and she, uh, I should come over and we'll all hang out. And it was a great decision. Best Chelsea decision. said that? Chelsea said, just come over. Yeah. It was that easy. Fuck. <laughs> Only everything in life was that easy. <laughs> and then what happened? I'm so glad you stayed. What did we do, Preston? Uh we we hung out at your at the at your place that y'all were staying and it was a really sweet place and we hung out in the backyard. We played uh more uh trash a, a new level yeah trash can beer pong with a ball and stuff without without beer we we're just kind of casually just drinking champagne and things like that but we were <laughs> champagne we and raspberries <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we put some fruit in there um and then we had a filmmaker buddy come over and we were just just having the best time just making jokes um seen sides of ourselves that we probably haven't seen in a while or at least for me um uh, i can't remember the last time that i hung out with some friends and uh, just got to be silly and it was totally appropriate um, we, to we, that, so. we went to a bar and yeah. we got into a very great conversation about a certain type of movie yeah we're not going to talk about what that conversation was <laughs> yeah we're not going to talk about that that's internal. <laughs> it's a movie marathon that we need to put on. Yeah. <laughs> and so, then we went and then we went to um we went to Gordo's food truck and we all ordered donut burgers in the style of pro wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, so, yeah, all the definitely the best part of the festival was hanging out with you guys, me and Brian going to get pie and Oh yes. And meeting a stranger and he's like, hey, how can I communicate with y'all? And you were like, yeah, yeah, you're listening to all these websites. And I was like, just fucking tell them about my bloody podcast. Like, that's the quickest way. <laughs> I didn't even think are. about it. Yeah. That was um, good. So, yeah, it, uh, as as uh, th that's you know, and we've talked about it in years past about how that that's like another aspect of what makes going to this festival, because it's so much about. The, the community aspect. A lot of these movies tend to be horror films. And the reason why we love horror movies so much to me, at least is that you're seeing it with a, a group of people who love the genre and just are getting scared, laughing or whatever it may be, all the emotions. Like it just feels like we're all experiencing that together. And it's just, and you're seeing something sometimes like you're seeing a Netflix film that, you know, won't make theaters or a TV show or whatever it may be. There's things that there's just special experiences like that. And to just have that. And I just felt like a lot of that was missed for me. I know Chelsea got into some more things, but to be able to, the way that the seating arrangement was with two seats and it feels like there was a divider up and you had to look around the corner. Like it didn't feel like we're all like, you know, huddled yeah. together and it really enjoyed, like you can look at people's faces and we're just like, oh my God, am I just having the best time? It, it, that, that was robbed from me this year. I didn't get to experience that, so. Um, more more issues at play than just uh, a ticketing system overselling it. Um, so yeah, when, the when you go to a film festival, what do you want to do? 
you want to see movies and that's yeah. what we didn't do um we do have some praises but first let's go to chelsea um chelsea had a opposite experience and i want to hear all the good things all the positive things and why she had such a better experience than us well so the first year i went to fantastic fest i had a fan badge and that was very kind of anxiety inducing for me with the whole like you have to i think 2017 was you had to make your choices at like midnight kind of thing um and that for me was anxiety inducing so i said and i didn't get to i didn't get into everything that i wanted to it was it was smaller back then um but i know this year um and and last year i bought a super fan badge because i just don't want the anxiety of not getting into things i want the anxiety of my schedule i want it i want it like the week before kind of thing it's it checks off all my boxes and to pay a little more for for that kind of like peace of mind is is okay for me um i don't quite go go to the cult badge because i don't want to eat every meal at the draft house and i don't think that the cult badge is worth it for me per se um but I got into everything that I wanted. Um, I mean, I had my schedule. I think I sent you guys my schedule like a week before. Um, did I see every movie uh, that I put on? No, just because that festival exhaustion gets you. And there were certain things that I skipped. Um, but it wasn't I, But it wasn't because of lack of them saying, no, you can't go to a movie. No, no. It, it was my, my personal choice of being like... Yeah. I'm tired. I'm going to go home and like, or I'm going to go to a lunch date with my friends kind of thing. Um, I had a great time. Um, I, I only have very small, I only have one thing, one very small kind of um, criticism is that one of the secret screenings was not, it was not a good look for the, for the festival. Um, Dogman. Hmm. So that, I mean, I have people in my, you know, that I run with at these festivals that actually left because it's just Luke Basson, they had like a whole Q&A after with him. And it was just so like ruddy and just, you know, put together like half-assed and stuff. And I just felt like the whole thing of, if you're going to show this movie, because it was a really, it's almost like a kind of like a torture porn of, of children in the beginning. Um, I know neither of you saw it, but you don't need to see it. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's not getting distribution anytime soon. Um, I feel like this is one of those movies that you probably, they I don't know why they put it as a secret. Do you, do you think there was another secret screen that pulled out right, like super? No, I just don't. No, I just don't think people are cognizant of things. I okay. think some people are tone deaf sometimes. And it's just, it's because they said they were excited to bring it over. Um, they saw it over overseas. So why are they tone deaf? Um, I think with the whole kind of, 
Alamo Me Too thing of 2017 and going forward with kind of like sexual assault and stuff like that, I think showing like this movie as a secret screening, not as something on the actual schedule that people can pick. I think it's kind of like a surprise. Here's, here's kind of like this shit that could trigger a bunch of people. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that. Um, yeah. That's, it's, that's- it's very weird that it wasn't like exorcist or five nights at Freddy's or at least, you know, like it's really weird that they went with that movie. I, that's why I'm trying to think like, did they did, one of those movies pull out a week prior and this was their backup. No, because the, one of the, um, you know, someone from the festival like introduced it and she was like, I wish I could have come out with 30 dogs. Cause we were, you know, uh, planning on this, but I, you know, I couldn't get the 30 dogs. And so I think that was something that was originally programmed. Um, only I do know that the first secret screening, the one at one fifty the one that was weirdly in the afternoon, that was the only one that was added very late. Okay. Um, because they, they told us that. Um, so Saltburn was added very late and it was the best one. So, yeah. Okay. So you think, so with you having a great experience, you got all the movies, you went to all the parties and press and I got to go to parties this year prior to previous years i feel like it was super easy and very lax and in getting interviews for press like it was just you wanted something you got it and it was never like a time it was really easy for the most part um but with movies and chelsea you having a great experience do you and in prior because you this is your third year only press and i've been going for 10 years um there's always been that sense of inclusivity with it um in this year it seems like they chose the corporate greed and money route whereas they favored people paying more money over people actually going to a movie did you get that sense yeah i don't disagree with paying more money gave you more more access i mean i feel like it's as simple simple as that and i feel like that was very weird with how I know kind of kind of press things work for this stuff and um you know it's kind of saying they allegedly like oversold badges and stuff and I get that but this could have been set up so much differently and been handled so much differently um it it just kind of like pains me to hear you guys talk about it because I know how kind of frustrated and mad you guys were about about this stuff and how much you love coming so i i almost feel bad talking about the movies i saw no no we're glad that you had a great time no we are so glad you had a great time we're just we're so dumbfounded because as good of a time you had this year we've had that good of a time if not better every year prior and this was this was not something they talked about this year. We did not know this going in. This just happened. And it was such a far cry from what it used to be. And I know they made a big stink about this year, a new festival director. And that's why I solely blame her for it because it was so perfect up until now. 
And I don't know who made that decision. And I know there's a lot of irons in that fire of everybody coming together. But when you have a boss, you have a coach, it all lies on that. And for Mm -hmm. better or worse, she has to take ownership of it. And she either has to leave and not do this again, or she literally has to change a 180. And I don't know if you know who the festival director is, Chelsea, or if you are privy to like, knowing what she's has said about this or if she's staying quiet what i mean what do you think cuz i don't know um i don't i don't know anything i've i've been kind of exhausted with fantastic fest content the last few days coming after coming home um so i don't know what they're saying about any of this stuff i would say that i think it's weird that they're not reaching out to press and saying, hey, you know, we, we kind of got it wrong um, or being apologetic about anything. Right. They're, they're not. I have not heard anything from anybody except for me personally talking to the PR company or people in this and yeah. kind of hearing the side of it. Um, and, and again, this is coming from somebody who Press and I took this very differently. Um and I get both of them because like I felt exactly what Preston felt like I was pissed. I wanted to flip tables. I was angry. But then I was like, I'm with my friends. I'm going to drink. I'm in Austin. If they don't want me to fucking cover this festival, I'm not going to cover it. You know, like you are hindering me from doing the job you want me to do. What can mm-hmm. I do here? You know, yeah. other than like do an interview for a movie I did not see because you did not allow me to see it. Um, so I just took, I just took the ball and was like, fuck it. I'm going to drink. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do my thing. And I had a blast doing that. Like Preston said, I had a blast hanging out, but I'm there to see movies at a film festival. Mm-hmm. And it's maddening when you have such a system that works so perfectly for everybody that went there and to do it this way, I don't, I only see corporate greed dollars in their eyes. And it's like, and if they're going to do that, I'm fine with that, but you could only sell your badges to super fan and cult members and then have a standby line. You cannot have as many press influencers or anything like that because Chelsea, you and I talked earlier that you said that you heard that filmmakers even had a very tough time getting tickets yeah, to the movie. So filmmakers had to log in at 1030. Yeah. So, so that's, they that's they insane. just got like guest passes. It may be kind of right. thing. You know? So that's insane to me. Um, so how do you fix it? I think you go back to the original ticketing system first off because that worked for everybody. And if they want press there to cover their movies, you have to limit your press like you used to do. And then you you Give don't have fucking super fan badges. Yes. Yes. You you can't oversell. And I will say this. People oversell things. People overbook reservations for restaurants and you overbook for flights on airlines. Mm-hmm. But with airlines, if they overbook, you get refunded or you get a free flight. Fantastic Fest is not refunding those people who spent upwards of $600 for fan badges that didn't get into everything. And I would, I would be so upset. Yeah. We haven't even talked about fan badges. They didn't even get like, there's a, there's a Facebook group that I don't know if we're all in it, but fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like day after day, just people being like, did you get into any time slot? 
And um, because even people with fan badges, they're guaranteed not not your first pick, not your second pick, whatever, but just a pick in that time in every time slot. But a lot of people just didn't have anything whatsoever. Well, because their system failed and their everything was sold out. And so press and I, the press badges are free, but we're doing work there for them where we're promoting the festival, we're promoting the filmmakers, but people who spent over, and it's not a cheap festival. The fan badge, the regular fan badge that nobody got into cost over 600 bucks. That's 800. It's crazy. And to, to have the same experience that we did, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I would have to go to a lawyer at that point and say like, look, I spent this money and I was promised this and I didn't get any of that. And nobody was talking with me about it. Like, I feel like it would be that type of situation because what do you do? You go to a film festival, you pay for a badge and then you don't get to go see any movies because of their new system. And then robbery, not- man. It, it is robbery. And what I've noticed about Alamo and maybe the PR company is that they really don't address things as they're happening. Like they, there's somebody outside on a microphone calling movie theaters, like what to go in. Somebody could have easily sent out an email, fantastic fest wider say like, look, we are having issues with this. We are so sorry. We are trying to get it fixed. Please come and see us, email us at this. But there was none of that. They didn't even have this stuff that they had last year. And it was like, a like literal physical like paper cardboard just moving and that was that was great yeah they didn't even have that it was just like um calling and then they would block the hallway off um which i thought was kind of weird um you couldn't even go down the hallway and just everybody's either waiting outside in the heat or in the highball and it's it was just, overcrowded. It and... was overcrowded. It was messy. And it was just, it It seems like they didn't do anything until what, the second or third day they started calling the movies. And, I mean, over music, over people talking, you can't really hear shit. Yeah, they, they called people over during the karaoke, during yeah. the, during the, um, the Q&As. Like, it, it was like, it was really weird. It, it seems like they were just trying to salvage whatever. Well, yeah, even like someone's doing an actual karaoke song and they're like, theater nine. Yeah. <laughs> and with a festival director, you would think somebody with any experience or any knowledge would be able to rectify that very easily. But th- she didn't. I don't I didn't see the festival director at all during the whole thing. Uh, I, I don't she know. Was, she was no, she was um, she introduced close to the secret screening or a lot of them. Um, but I, I saw her a lot. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not so like out for blood just because one, I had a better experience and it's a hundred percent because, you know, I paid. Um, but two, I just, there's a lot of moving pieces in this. I don't know if they, I I'm pretty sure they oversold. Um, they had record attendance this year and I, the thing is you can go on with a million different excuses and a, and a million different problems. They're all great problems to have for a company though. All this money kind of hanging over, over stuff. Um, but I just, I guess it just left a bad taste in my, in my mouth that they didn't kind of go into 
PR mode and try and rectify it with you or send out an email being like, oh my gosh, we're, we're cognizant of this. Um, we're working on it or have like an emergency meeting. The thing is, I don't know if they didn't have an emergency meeting and things were too far gone and they're just like, hey, let's roll with it and do any damage control. But the customer service director in me just hate, like hates it. Um, hates just the the response or the no response. So, yeah. And yeah. what we talked about earlier on fear and loathing for a little bit, or even off camera is like, there's other Alamos within a couple miles. If they should have overflow overflow for the fan badges and the press that didn't get to see anything because we're up so late. None of us are want to go to a 7am, 8am screening, you know, like that's, it's silly uh considering if we're up till two or three in the morning so i just there needs to be a lot and i think us three can tell we have access to the pr and the fantastic fest people we can tell them these things will they do it i hope so but i don't know i don't know if they're just way we made a lot of money that's what we're going to do from now on and if that's the case i won't go and that's sad because i love this yeah yeah i'm just sad that you guys feel like have this experience honestly it was, no i thank you i i mean we are happy that you had an amazing experience uh and that's the experience we've had every year up until this one um and preston just i felt him the entire time man i just was like oh man i i want to do all of this how are we not getting into movies and then having people high up in fantastic fest say like okay we know this email me what you want to see we'll get you in and then getting a canned rejection letter each time was just like the poison on the cake basically yeah for me it's like i'm a very chill person and i i mentioned this to you when we were talking in private um <clears throat> around the festival is that i'm a very chill person like i'm very relaxed littlest things could not bother it didn't matter what the size of the problem is. I, I feel like come what may, I can deal with it. But what, when it comes to this kind of stuff, like <laughs> we had an Oppenheimer screening that was, you know, we were told this and it ended up being this. And then the way that it played, it, that was frustrating for me. I actually got like a little more vocal about it, and w- which took me out of my comfort zone. Talking to this PR company who I love, I think, and, and I'm just going to just, talk honestly here because i think it's fair um that i love this pr company they've done so much for me over these past 10 years of working with them uh in and out of this festival they handle a lot of things that they've they've uh, and, and i've had the the great uh privilege of being able to you know they, they pay for me to come to austin to go uh, do interviews or go do uh screening experiences and things like that and I've loved it. And it it's just like one of those things where it's like, I know this bad situation thing happened. And just like anybody who has experience with the friends, it's like, you know, sometimes something bad's going to happen. Am I going to say that that defines the entire friendship? No. And so it, it just, um, I, I had like, when I told them that I was leaving, um and that i felt like i made a lot of like i said made a lot of sacrifices because i had a lot of things that were going on at home and 
that made me even more emotional about everything. And I just felt so defeated. I was fired up like when, when uh, in the moment that I wasn't getting anything, I was Im- immediately frustrated, like cussing, turning into a monster, <laughs> that a type of person that I never am and that who I never really want to be. Um, and so uh, it was just frustrating. It was exhausting to me that I was just taking on, like, uh, we're just going to keep echoing ourselves throughout this, but uh this, this whole process is just supposed to be breezy. The, the, the things like we're stressed as it is trying to build, you know, we're not getting much sleep. We want to see these movies. We got to do interviews for them. And my whole process is like with my interviews is like, I really try to dig into these things. So it's a whole thing for me. And so I'm doing all that already. It's stressful, but it's a good type of stress. It's a stress that I'm used to and I enjoy it. I'm passionate about it. But when I don't have that opportunity to be able to, you know, enjoy the other things about the festival, which is get into some of these screenings, writing reviews about them and talking about them with friends in the hallway and all that, then it, it just really wasn't worth it to me. And so I got kind of emotional telling the PR company about it. And, um, it, and so like, I understand like, you know, being diplomatic about everything and like keeping your head down until things are, until things are kind of figured out and they have a better system in place. But I really do think that, like Brian said, that we, we should have gotten, uh, I thought I, would, I thought I would get a call. Uh, I, I did get a text message about it, um, that the system will hopefully be better next year. Um, but I don't know. I still, you know, I paid money out of my pocket to drive down there. I spent money on food like because I, you know, I buy all my own groceries here. I make all my own food. I don't have to eat out every day, but I did that. Um, but again, like all those things are so worth it to me in the past because I had such a great time. Um, and so everything that was like a minor problem just magnified. And so I was just like every spinning plate here is just falling down and breaking and shattering. And, and so I just felt so exhausted and defeated by the end of it that I just felt like it was best to leave. And so in all, I hope that we have a much better experience. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope it's not going to be the end of burn after reading where we're like, what the fuck did we all learn here? God, if I know, like, I yeah, hope yeah. everybody learned something here and that there are grand efforts made next year to, I don't know what really needs to be done. We we offered some suggestions here. I'm sure they're still brainstorming, and and, and I've been told that they they'll, they they've got something in place. Hopefully, that'll be better next year. I guess we'll see. Well, like okay, so they say that. I don't believe it because I feel like they need to say it up now. Like, hey, we. Like, I need I need to know what that system is first. Yeah, I think we do deserve that. No, they yeah. need to say it. Like they say, oh, we have a, we have, we were brainstorming. I need, I need some guarantees because my only guarantee was screener links. Yeah. This year. Correct. So they need to say that very, like now. I think yeah. this month in October, we, a very big public wide press release of like, we know it failed. This is what we're doing. A, B, C, D, E, F. This is how we're going to combat the sold out we're not going with this we're not going with this we're changing this i guarantee you they're not going to do that yeah it might be because i don't i don't know like chelsea said i haven't been in tune with like what conversations have been like with certain publications about the festival like i didn't 
I haven't seen any headlines that have been like fantastic fest disastrous for fan badges and things like that. Like they oversold, like I haven't seen anything like that. So they probably won't make those. Maybe we need to do that. We're the one, cause I've been trying to figure out how to post this and be like the failure of fantastic fest 2023 or the epic failure, something like that. Cause they need to know how bad it was not for us, but for like hundreds of people who paid a, a, a PR trick probably is i'm not going to make assumptions but how it makes sense in my head is that if nobody's really talking about it outside of like major um publications if a major publication variety hollywood reporter whatever right. it may be they, they talk about it then they will apologize and say something but if um but they're not going to do anything about it right now because not enough people know about it or, right. or whatever yeah but uh, again, with all of that, I still want to go back. I mean, will I go back? I don't know. I mean, if they don't make any changes, why go back? I will just do my screening links here and do Zoom interviews because yeah. even though I love hanging out, there it it's not worth it to be not be a part of it, you know? Yeah. And especially it's to work it, you know? Yeah, especially to work it, you know? So... You know, unless we find sponsors to go. <laughs> yeah. Can you sponsor us to just hang out and be friends? Yeah. Or sponsor us to get a cult badge or something like that. Yeah. Um, to do that. But I'm glad Chelsea had a great time because that's what Fantastic Fest is, is what Chelsea experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Would you go, I, would you are you going back next year, Chelsea? I will go back every year they have a Fantastic Fest. Um I will I do want to say that there is a special sweet spot where I do have friends that bought both super fan badges and had press accreditation and but they had to do both of those things to get into everything they wanted and to also um okay yeah and so but I feel like it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Right. No, I it's going to be, Hey, we'll give you the credit for the fan badge. You can put it towards the super fan badge, but you got to pay that, you know, that upcharge. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. That's not, yeah. that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, So talking about all of that, we've talked about all that. Let's talk about a little bit about what we loved. still with Preston and I's issues. What did we love? Um, Chelsea, I want you to tell everybody about that last day there. There was some crazy shit happening at those parties. Um, yeah, like the closing night party? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, since last year, um, I know that they, they have it at, like, the Alamo HQ, um, which is an old school. And I really just love that they have it there. So, I was, like, praying that they had it, the closing night party there again this year and they did. So I was just very excited for that because I know that they kind of make it like a maze and they make little rooms for everything. And then it's it's kind of like a like a horror prom kind of thing, like a hell prom. Um, but yeah, so for the closing night party things that happened, um, they had little little baby goats, an area of little baby goats, little None of them looked like little black Phillips, but I know I know what they were doing. 
Um, and they were adorable. And one fell asleep on me and was a week and a half old. Um, so I really liked, I really liked that. Um, I know that they had this whole like map of there's, there's a seance room where you could get like a picture of where you're kind of like levitating. Um, there's a room for just a live bands. Um, they have, you know, free alcohol stalls throughout the whole thing. And that's kind of what makes it fun. Um, the, I guess I got really kind of like spooked at, um, so they had a thing where you could, I think they had like EMTs, like phlebotomists, phlebotomists, oh, I can't say it today. Um, drawing people's blood and then cooking it into a blood sausage. And then you could then eat it. And I know, um, they were dressed up as like almost little like Swedish chefs. Um, so watching that was very weird. Um, probably the thing that gave me the most anxiety though, is that they were actually burying people. So like burying people they, alive. So, yeah. Um, so they had actual grave diggers. Cause I was like, Hey, do you do this for a living? He's like, yeah, I've been, I've been doing funerals all day. And I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, you had to sign this it was just like a burial thing and you had to sign this waiver. And, um, I only know one person personally that did it. Um, but just, I think I sent you guys the videos, but just, they had to like screw the lid on and they would kind of leave you down there for anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. And that is just <laughs> at like, one time they pack on the dirt, they pack on the dirt and everything. So they pack on the dirt. Um, at one time there were three people buried and I was just walking across them. And like, I was like, what are they doing? What are they thinking? Um, the funniest one was some, some woman came up to my group and said, Hey, um, after this guy gets dug up, can we all just say, sing happy birthday to him? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so I enjoyed that immensely because the guy like popped up out and they're like, happy birthday. So that was very funny, but I just, I know there were other things happening, um, but I, those were kind of the most outrageous. Yeah, that's crazy. That I mean, we, I didn't experience any of that. Uh, I the karaoke with a live band was amazing. That was uh, very fun. It's karaoke next level with a live band. It was super cool. Um, what else did we, what was opening night party? I'm trying to remember. We oh, we saw oops. Lloyd Kaufman pull down his pants. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They did the drag, the satanic drag show. And they had some people from the audience try to like do the best death scenes or something like that. And oh, Lloyd Kaufman, the, the head of trauma got up there and started taking off his pants in true fashion. That was super fun. Um, yeah, that was, that was wonderful. I, I, I enjoyed the parties. The first night, I, I remember getting alcohol pushed on me. Um, so I drank way too much the first night and was just um, trying to recuperate the following nights. Hmm. <laughs> I, I like how you're like, they were pushed on me. Oh, I, yeah. It was like a huge thing of tequila. Just here. You wanted tequila. Here's a huge yeah. glass of it. That there was a lot of tequila this this time, uh, I, but it was a good time. It, everybody seemed to be mostly happy, you know. 
minus what was going on, at least at the parties. Um, I, I, I had a ball still minus what happened. Preston. Uh, I mean, it was too big of a deal. All that stuff was too big of a deal for me, but in retrospect, now that I've calmed down and was able to like, I, I mean, I look at the list of films that I saw, which I saw 11 of them, but not in the theater though. Uh, I saw, let's see. I'll just go through my list real quickly. So number one, I have the last stop in Yuma County. I already mentioned, we already talked about when evil lurks is number two. We loosely talked about what you wish for, which is a Nicholas Stahl movie. Uh, yeah, Brian, I like that one. a great description of it being like fresh meets his, meets the menu. Very just wild movie, a lot of fun. Um, and then I saw Your Lucky Day, number four. Uh, that was Angus's, Angus Clouds, one of his last movies in. Very similar to The Last Stop in Yuma County, where it's it's funny when you watch these movies each year, and that's what I look for. I was like, what are the themes? Usually like you'll find like this theme of like you know we talked about it uh dead dog theme yeah dead dog (laughs) thing or something like that um between those two movies like your lucky day and yuma county like they both like dealt with like what are people gonna do who like had no inkling of that they would be in a position to have a large sum of money are they gonna be like behave by the law and everything or are they going to start having conversations about like don't you think you deserve this like you know this per this these people do this that you know whatever it may be uh class divides things like that political even and it, it just causes you to think and so like that that was an interesting thing between those two movies we saw uh vhs 85 we were very lucky to get into that screen because we were there to support a few of the filmmakers there that made movies uh uh the the prime being uh mike nelson a uh, friend of the show yeah we didn't talk about that and how amazing his yeah. segment was yeah very very good like he opened it too yeah uh, Mike Mike's VHS segment was so good. Um, yeah, so was Gigi's. I, I like Gigi's. Uh, hers was great. So like the first one dealt with, so it's 85. So it's dealing with 1985 in some way, um, whether it's like through the use of technology, most of it's made to look like it was shot on video cam, like VHS tape cam recorders. Um, and so, uh, what Mike Nelson was going for was a, uh, vibe that was very much like summer camp and like hanging out with friends and just being goofy together. And those kind of like silly moments that you would, uh, see in like home video segments of, you know, people like zooming in on somebody uncomfortably and things like that. So he just like captured that feeling very well. Like, uh, I think he told us that he, sifted through a lot of his home video footage or other people's home video footage to kind of really nail down that that vibe and he did while also being like exciting and taking things to some dark areas um that's why i really enjoyed those first two segments uh his and Gigi's because they feel like real world tragedy type of stuff was happening Mm -hmm. like things that you would that have been experienced by people Um, but found a way to kind of twist the knife just a little bit more into like supernaturalism that made it so much fun. Um, So yeah, uh, that, that, that screening experience 
was was pretty fun. I enjoyed that, and like the Q and A was was interesting and and fun too. Um, so yeah, that that was that was my number five. Uh, did y'all want to talk a little bit more about that? Oh, I just wanted to say this is probably like my favorite VHS. Um, I feel like it was the most kind of cohesive. Yeah, consistently um, consistent, consistent in quality. In quality, and there wasn't one that I just didn't like. I just feel like some some were a little different than others, but that's kind of what you what you yeah. watch these for. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, just good. Just read the list of the rest of them. Okay, Jack Dog number six, uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines uh, number seven. Well, uh, that was one that I. Well, yeah. So with Pet Cemetery, you love yeah. the the last one. Does this hold yeah. up? Did you like uh, it? Not quite as well. I think there's some interest. So this one's a prequel. This one was one of the ones that I was most excited going into the festival because Pet Cemetery is my favorite Stephen King work. I read that book uh, a few times. I have read it a few times. I listen to the audiobook a lot. And I love the, both of the films. Or I even like Pet Cemetery too. Um, so I uh, I enjoy this franchise. And so the, just the idea of doing a prequel is both like, had me nervous, but also kind of excited to see like where they would go with it. Um, so this one's dealing with like a young Judd Crandall and it's set in 1969, but it just kind of goes in a lot of the areas that I was like, well, you know, what, what's cool about the original is like the mystery of it. And then when you put all those answers out there a little bit, it doesn't make it quite as fun. Um, so, but there are some really good things that I can say that I can say about it, but overall it just left me a little underwhelmed by okay. it. Like, uh, one, just a, a little bit more. I don't know if all its ideas lined up, but, uh, it's not, it's still watchable. I think there's some good things to watch. Uh, worth see a look, it. worth a look. Yeah. Worth a look. Uh, uh, number eight, uh, sorry, Joe Lynch, but it is suitable flesh. <laughs> we love Joe Lynch. So. Okay. I we, love Joe we, Lynch. We love yeah. Joe Lynch. We love Holliston. We love, um, we, Everly. we love Everly. We, we yeah. love Wrong Turn 2. Uh, yeah. but with, with this Joe Lynch movie, um, so I really liked it. Um, I love, cause I'm, I'm going to do a little review for it, uh, online, but it, I love that he's Joe is taking different in the horror genre or action genre, but he's taking like different takes to it. So this one was like a very daytime soap opera, sexual R rated soap opera during the daytime, you know, and like even at its slow pace and it dragged here and there, I still found it great. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Now I'll leave the rest to it, but Preston didn't take to the movie too well and he he's now experienced somewhat of what i went through with the movie that i trashed a few years ago um where it's kind of uncouth but where a filmmaker sees a bad review from a critic and then calls out that critic but i think in preston's case with joe lynch with this this happened to preston preston rose review joe lynch got to him um during a live interview about it and i think what came of it was something very magical and special preston what tell us what happened i just yeah. want to say that i saw the fear on his face 
when I like when I like booted it up and I was in line, I think I was in the highball and I was like, oh God, where are my ear earbuds? Let me watch this. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't write, I didn't write a review. I just, um, I've been to keep up with everything. I've been logging it on letterbox and sometimes I forget that just anybody can see that shit. And so most of it, I'm just doing it for my own purposes. Like, uh i'm not sure exactly what i feel about it just yet and so i'm just going to kind of put it in that area i haven't settled with uh settled with it a little bit because it was a uh, suitable flesh is a bit of a jarring experience there's a lot of things that it's uh, everything that uh brian just mentioned like uh it's 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 capturing the tone of like reanimator from beyond hp lovecraft while also being uh what, what chelsea said on in her tweet about being a little showgirlsy a little bit too, like just having some of that fun, like being purposefully uh, kind of silly and bad and soap opery in some t in some capacity. And so I know that 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 was his approach, and he's uh, very proud of it. Uh, but for for me, I just felt like uh, uh, the thing of why I like movies like Reanimator and From Beyond. Um, primarily reanimator is that you know reanimator like they'll have uh lines in it where you know like what am i supposed to tell you uh you know dead cat details later like those lines like they they stick with you they stay with you and there are some lines in his movie that i was like oh man that is such a reanimator or from beyond kind of quote and he captured that vibe really well i just didn't quite take to the soap opery stuff um, I, I, it just, it all kind of boiled down to taste and it was a bit jarring for me. And so what I was trying to communicate to him, which I'll get to the interview is that it was just like one of those experiences where I just couldn't quite make heads or tails of it just yet. I, but I would never put out a review with a low rating if I, in written form, add it to Rotten Tomatoes, do the whole thing. If I didn't feel like every word that I wrote, I stand by that and I would not change a word. Um, I just needed to be 100% sure with it uh, first. Um, so I just kind of did it knowing that hey, he, he knew that there's a lot of things at play when you go into watching a movie. So he even said, he's like, hey, you're doing it for work. You're here to interview me. I was like, yeah, that's exactly like, because when I go into movies, any interview that I do, uh, and, I, and I've seen bad ones, but I'll talk to the filmmaker later. I am 100% focusing on the best qualities so I can produce the best possible conversation that I can. Um, I, I really try to comb through it and just be like, oh, like, I, I mean, I've seen movies that have been bad, um, but I find like some very poetic moments in it that I think are really great to talk about. And so um I had every intention of just kind of rolling through that interview, focusing on the things in hopes that, you know, a filmmaker will be like, what did you think about the movie? And then I, cause I, I try to be honest with myself and the people that are, are possibly watching my interview. I want them to build and be like, I, you know, I can, I can trust that person because there, it doesn't feel like, you know, they're getting paid by the studio or anything like that, which is not what happens in my case. Um, I don't get persuaded by, you know, because Brian and I were part of the Critics' Choice Association 
they'll Netflix will fly us out to Los Angeles or New York and they'll, you know, wine and dine us, put all these great things. They, they send all this nice stuff. And, and I'd never let it persuade my feelings on a film. We saw power of a dog out there. I didn't like the movie. I fucking I hated power movie. of a dog. And I got so much shit for that movie. Yeah. Belfast didn't like it. Same didn't thing like Belfast it out there. Didn't, didn't like it. Um, so that's my approach. And so it, yeah, going back to watch that interview that I did with Joe in the opening being like, cause I was just about to launch into like, you're friends with like, with my best buds, like Brian Kluger and Peter Martin. I know I brought them up later, but I was like ready for like a warm conversation where we're just going to talk about all the best aspects. And he really threw me for a loop by what saying like, I saw your, I saw your two and a half star rating on letterbox let's discuss and i was like well shit so i think he found me he did that at the best possible time because as i mentioned already like that was the day coming back from fantastic fest where i was already like you know dragging my feet a little bit and also dealing with the stuff that i've been at home so i felt like i was already punched i was already punched in the ribs i already like i just i was down to just talk about whatever so like any script thing or whatever I had going in my head, I was like in that moment. And, and I'm kind of proud of myself for how I was nervous about going back to read it. Be like, is that scared face that I'm going to have? Like, is it just like, what am I going to be showing? Um, but I just like whatever happened, I I uh, just let happen. I didn't try to cut it in any weird ways. I just let the conversation play as it played. And it it truly did become like one of the best conversations I've ever had with a filmmaker, like definitely uh top three or so, just cause it really felt like um, we, we both were just kind of being very honest with each other. I think we had a great talk about some of the best qualities. And I felt like I shared what uh, I had to say about the film, like, <clears throat> and uh, he understood and we, we just had nothing but, respect and love for each other by the end of it. And um, so I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of him like jumping on this podcast with us, whether it's my bloody or fear and loathing and just discussing film and things like that. Cause he's a, a very smart dude, especially if you go back and uh, as I did to watch that interview. And um, I was just like the way that he talks about, like he's mentioning all these films, his understanding and knowledge of like Stuart Gordon films. Like he, he puts some recommendations on my radar and um, like, clearly, you know, I have a lot of movies here, but you know, I still got blind spots. And so it just really felt like it was just like two friends connecting to me. And so um it was just as I wrote in my social post, like I have nothing but mad, mad respect for him. And yeah, I, I just really enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Good. I'm glad. Um, I was so proud of you. I was like, did you see Preston's? Like I was showing everybody. I was like, he got bombarded and there's like two seconds of, oh God. And He's then like, like oh. okay. Uh, and okay. then you go, let's okay, let's have an on a honest conversation and i was like holy shit like i i would be like bamboozled well it's like what preston said just at the start of that he said like i was expecting to go and it's like he knows brian he knows peter we're gonna have this fun conversation about movies and people we know and then all of a sudden it's like hey bitch you gave me a two and a half star why <laughs> and it's just like oh shit <laughs> yeah. no but you hand both like i mean 
I'm obviously obviously going to say you handled it with such grace, but I feel like you both handled the conversation with just so much respect and grace for each other that it was really fun to watch. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Chelsea, do you know anything else about what Joe Lynch is doing right now? Um, I, I have, I have some, I have some things. Um, I know that, um, he had followed one of one of my friends on Letterboxd who had not liked Suitable Flesh um, and had commented that, sorry, it didn't work for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's needed. The thing is, I don't know. I don't know if if I'm if I'm this creative and I'm this filmmaker, I guess I'm just thinking about it. Well, not not everyone's gonna understand everything I'm trying to do or love everything I'm trying to do. In the past, actors and directors who've come after critics bashing their movies have not ended well. The Rock, it happened with The Rock. The Rock went after critics on one of his movies that people didn't like and he got trashed for it. A lot of people have done it. Um, but I think it seems like what Joe is doing, he's doing it the right way. Like he had a great yeah. conversation with Preston about it. And yeah, they, but what if I hadn't? Like, what if I just like a deer in the headlights? And I, it, it, and then, yeah, I, I wonder what that, it just like I said, like it just was the perfect time for something like that to happen. Right. But who knows? Like, um, I mean, it's an interesting conversation to have. I, but like you said, I think he handles it the right way. He's not he, to, to that, to that response that negative response you just like hey you know i'm sorry it didn't work for you i i just i don't know it just it's different for different filmmakers in terms of like how healthy of yeah. that, that that may be for a creative to be that that engaged with uh what people are saying like that, yeah. you know that's why some creatives they hire you know assistants or people that kind of do that work for them and be like hey you know people are saying this and kind of give them you know the the passed down version of like what people may be saying i think it's i mean it's it's great because uh, i know he does a lot of talks and he's very he, he he shares his opinion online and things like that and it's great to uh plug into that sort of thing so he's a fan too and he, he likes to he shows that and so um i, I think it's it, it's great but uh yeah there, there, there is uh, an interesting conversation to be had about that sort of thing with uh, certain creatives. Uh, but uh, for him, I think he makes it work for himself and he's re uh, respectful about it. Right. Yeah. It's just like, how healthy is it for creatives to wade into the discourse and to wade into the comment sections? Um, but I also think that it kind of puts you more in, in touch with you know critics and audiences and you kind of understand yeah. things more um but i do i do think that we should be having more on honest conversations like that and oh, totally agreed that. yeah totally agreed i wish the preston joe lynch happened with me and the filmmakers of cursed films like because they definitely attacked me and they thought i was just going to be a deer in the headlights when i came on their show and that wasn't the case um but yeah i remember preston do <laughs> you remember that time preston oh yeah yeah it was a good conversation too it was a great conversation uh chelsea what was your two favorite movies from the fest besides um let's summon evil or when evil lurks when evil lurks let's summon evil as well 
Yeah. Um, so I really loved, so there were, I mean, during the two secret screenings, I actually thought of, thought of both of you. One, one, um, I think Preston is really going to love Saltburn. I can't wait to see that. Um, the trailer tells you absolutely nothing. Barry is brilliant in it. Um, I was thinking he's been kind of a fantastic fest regular killing of a sacred deer Banshees of Inisharan and now Saltburn. And um, it's kind of my new favorite erotic thriller. Cool. Um, and then the other thing I, I thought of Brian in was Dream Scenario. And I thought of Preston too, because Preston, I think you would put on like Instagram, you're like, this looks like a secret screening. And it absolutely was. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a certain scene where I wish I had been like sitting in the middle of both of you just to get your reaction and you'll know it when it comes on. But dream scenario was dream scenario and Saltburn were perfect secret screenings. Um, and they were very fun. Awesome. 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 I think fantastic fest on my bloody podcast. Uh, there's a lot of work there to be done at Fantastic Fest. Uh, but again, we still love Fantastic Fests. Uh, it brings us together. Yeah. Brian, should we... I didn't go through the, the, the bottom three that I have here, but do you want to talk? I want to hear what you have to say about Rage, um, which is the movie <laughs> that I was really looking forward to. I mentioned it on our podcast uh, last episode going into the festival. And so we saw it together. We saw we saw Rage together. So Rage is billed as a werewolf movie, and it's a werewolf movie with no werewolf or nothing about a werewolf, with no. the exception of the camera showcasing a full moon once. Is it better uh, than Twilight? No, I have Twilight's way better, sixty yeah. percent better. Uh, Rage. Twilight had more werewolf in it. Yeah, it did. Oh, uh, <laughs> 100% more werewolf in Twilight 1 um, than Rage. So Rage takes place in Mexico. It's all in Spanish. And it's um, basically about this young kid who goes to stay with his father, maybe. But the father leaves. He stay, he stay, he's uh, their mother just his mother just passed away. So it's a boy. His mother just passed away. And so he's on a trip to um, with his dad to go to this uh, gated community that where his the father's brother also passed away. But he passed away a little before the mom did from my understanding, if I remember correctly. So he was going to pretty much just take over the house because um, right. it had been vacant past because uh, of his death. Yeah. And so you see the dad leave and you see like these little things like, okay, it's supposed to be a werewolf movie. There's something going on, but the, the dad leaves. And for like an hour and 10 minutes of the movie, it's this child trying to figure out how to pass the time and day by himself in this house with like no dialogue. It's just this kid trying to figure out like the unfun version of Wally. The opening when he's like, you know, doing work, at least doing yeah. work, but passing the time and being bored. Yeah, he's just trying to figure out like, oh, there's a toy. There's a cigarette. Let me try it. Oh, I'm coughing. And then it, and it, and the movie doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it was such a letdown. 
such a letdown. I, yeah. I did not yeah. see it. You don't need to see it. Okay. Yeah. Don't need to see it. Um, you don't need to see Dogman either. So. Um, I not think a, not a year for the pups. Right. Um, and then no. the other. All yeah. the dogs were great in Dogman. All the dogs were great. The best part of Dogman were the dogs. The dogs. Not the man. Not the man. What was the other one we watched, Preston, that we didn't like? Uh, we saw the origin together. Yeah, origins or something like that. There, there, there was some good. So this one I also was on my radar and I was excited about because it's a Stone Age thriller, so to speak, and that's what it was uh, labeled as. That, and, and so I talked to the filmmaker and I had a great conversation with him. And so um, there, there are certain things that he was going for that I really took to, but like just as a as it was presented, going through the full experience of of it all it wasn't the most excessive it, movie yeah so accessible, yeah it takes place forty-five thousand years ago and it's just like this one clan of people going into this new area crops are dying out and they're like starving to death but there's no animals around so they're just trying to navigate the these new lands to find uh to be able to reestablish their their colony so to speak and and find food and, and things like that. And they're just, ha but there's something out there that like predator. Uh, it's like yeah. predator. Yeah. 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 There's something out there that's uh, threatening them and uh, kind of throwing off all their plans. And uh, so not only are they trying to survive to, you know, feed and provide for themselves, but they're also trying to outrun this uh, predator. Yeah. And it didn't infer it, it was yeah. the same shit somebody's walking in the dark spooky sounds around them somebody gets dragged off rinse and repeat and that's like yeah. the whole movie and yeah, it, very there's classy. No, yeah there's no surprise it's not filmed particularly perfectly or great it's just kind of amateurly done and uh beautiful landscapes though beautiful landscapes but didn't make use great of it um didn't make great use of it but yeah um I think Toxic was... Avenger. <laughs> I, I was sitting near Preston and I could tell by your body language. Yeah. I like I... Toxic Avenger. Uh, I think I'm biased just because I love trauma. Um, I I didn't mind like the new kind of spin on it where it tried to be a real movie. <laughs> uh, it was what it fine. Did. It tried... I liked. I enjoyed it. It tried. It tried to be a real movie, and I was there for it. And it mixed in that trauma shit, which is very strange to do in a real movie. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Preston, why didn't you like it? Um, I'm just a, and I've said this to y'all after we saw it. Um, I'm a massive Macon Blair fan. Um, and I loved all of his work that he's done with Jeremy Sonier and uh, his wife, Lietti. Um, They have a great movie called Mustang Island together. And he did, and Macon Blair did this great movie called uh, I I Don't Live <clears throat> Alone in This World Anymore. Is that what it is? It's such a long title. I always forget. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to be alone in this world anymore. Yeah, something like that. It's I, close. I don't want to disrespect his... Uh, it's a great movie. I don't feel I don't feel at home in this world anymore. That's what it is. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. So that was 2017 with uh, Mel uh, Melanie Linsky and uh, Elijah Wood. 
Um, so yeah, this one, um, I, I do not, so my trauma, uh, my experience with trauma films is not, is not very deep. Um, I don't, I haven't seen quite a, I've never seen the original Toxic Avenger. Um, I, I would like to check it out. Um, but my expectations going into it is because everything that he does has done prior to this is like elevate the material in some, in some interesting way. Like, you know, he took a, something like green room where it's like you know bands coming out and then neo-nazi shit happens and like the whole thing just turns into like a very violent coen brothers movie type of thing where anything that can go wrong does go wrong and it gets violent and bloody um and so this one i just wanted it to um, th there are some really great moments in it and uh perhaps if we do like a deeper dive on it when it comes out we can get into some of those things. Uh, I, there's a, quite a few lines, moments of comedy that I enjoyed and some of those things where I was like, oh, that's totally making Blair. But for a, a good chunk of it, it just, it didn't, it didn't feel as natural to me. I know it's an extreme situation and it's supposed to be kind of ridiculous, but we've seen like good examples of like being ridiculous and fun simultaneously. And it felt more ridiculous to me and I wasn't, and I wanted more out of it. Like I got really high expectations for Elijah Wood playing the bad guy in this. Like he had the whole Danny DeVito look that they've been talking about in, in the headlines. Uh, as you can see in the photo, like he just looks like this very set and we've never seen him play a role quite like this uh, outside of, you know, like Sin City or something like that. Um, and I wanted him to get like real nasty with it in the same way that Danny DeVito did where, you know, bites off somebody's nose and you you remember that. Um, and so he, he was just more of like kind of a like a henchman, like a second in command kind of doing uh, Kevin Bacon's work as the big bad um, but i enjoyed you know kevin bacon wearing robes and being kind of silly so there there um th there are some great qualities to it i mean i love that peter dinklage is getting like these starring roles like i saw him in that and then i saw him uh uh, uh what was the movie that i just saw mm -hmm. she uh came came to me or something like that um and so I'm glad he's getting opportunities like that. It's just, uh, yeah, it just, it didn't, it didn't meet my expectations, uh, but uh, still respect the hell out of everybody that made it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I don't have, I've never seen the original, so I don't have that nostalgia that probably yeah. Brian has and probably a lot of people have towards it. So I enjoyed certain aspects of it. And I think the actual people in it are great. Um, there was a scene, I think, in a in a restaurant that was probably my favorite. No, oh, yeah. Um, because it was just so. Silly. When all the uh, Samuel Jackson and Coming to America style, if it really had <laughs> gone out of hand. Yeah. Brian, plus a smile at that. What the hell? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just I I I don't have the nostalgia. I think Brian and, and other people do. Because um, Alex, our friend Alex, watched yeah. it. I think he has a familiarity with it too, and he's like, he did exactly. He he, he hit all those marks, and mm -hmm. I was like, uh, I just kind of expected some different marks to be there. I don't know. That's all good. If it didn't have to play to everybody, but uh, I I really thought Preston would love it. Um, and maybe a future viewing of it, you might change your mind. No, I'll definitely do my homework 
when it finally when it comes out i don't know when it's supposed to come out maybe mm-hmm. later this year um but i'll watch the other toxic avenger movies and then probably revisit some making blair stuff so yeah I can, I'll, i'd love yeah. to do that and see if i can kind of connect more connect. dots there so that would be good well there was a bit of green room in there uh in in toxie i, I was like oh green room style i liked it um but yeah that, that opening night film was fun for me um fantastic fest y'all you heard the failures you heard the success i think you heard from both sides of the coin here um preston do you want to go back to fantastic fest uh i mean i you know of the nine great years that we had i i definitely want to give it another chance i i would like to get some of some guarantees going into it that I, I would love to know what this new system is when, when it's finally established and they can speak about it. But for how much of a commitment it is to me being a father and a husband and everything, um, being the sole provider of money in my house, <laughs> I need to make sure it's a, uh, it, it's worthy of my time that I can feel like all my excitement going into it is going to be met in some way um, that I can see things and enjoy myself and just feel like I'm a part of something. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was a part of it in the way that I have been in the past. And so I, I, I just felt weird meeting some of these people that you brought with you, Brian, and meeting them for the first time and, and being like, I'm so sorry you're meeting me under these circumstances. I'm not like this. I'm not this kind of person. Um, so I just, if I could save myself from the embarrassment and the feeling of being feeling defeated, um, I would like to know that that's not going to happen. No, I agree with you. I think uh, I echo that. And I feel like we were not included this year um, when we have been included every year. So I still, with that being said, I still want to go back. I love it. Um, Chelsea, fantastic fest. You said you're in all in, right? I'm all in. I'm all in. She all in. I'm all in. in. So fantastic fest. Thank you for listening to my bloody podcast. Again, this is October. This is my bloody podcast special time. We'll be back with some horror movies this month for you for sure. It's going to be amazing. Chelsea, where can everybody find you online at? Um, So we were talking about Letterboxd. Letterboxd, Chelsea, Nico, and that's for most things. And then on Twitter, Miss underscore Tenenbaum. And I know you love Wes Anderson movies, Brian. So that's a nod to that. Good, good for you. Top of the year for him. Good for you. Uh, Preston, how about you? Where where can we find you at? Find me on Instagram under Blu-ray Dad. You can find my writing on freshfiction.tv and dittonrc.com for Ditton Record Chronicle. Um, mostly most of my interviews lately, cause I have not been able to have time to put pen to paper and write some reviews. I've only been sharing things on my Instagram and social media for, uh, the websites that I work, uh, write for. Um, so that that's the best, most current play. Instagram is the most current place that you can find, uh, the, the latest things that have been coming out, um, interviews and things like that so go head there if you have one um an instagram account so yeah that's where you can find find preston there 
Um, Brian Kluger, find me at highdefdigest.com and boomstickcomics.com. You can find Preston and I at a movie theater in Dallas tonight seeing The Exorcist. Come by and say hi. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat and Blue Sky and Threads. Uh, Brian Kluger, you find me at... Need a wolf account. Yeah, I do. That's so many. It's too many. I agree. Um, find us on Fear and Loathing and Cinema podcast. You can find us on No BS with Brian and Susan podcast, and the Entertainment Answer with Matt Mungle and myself. And Wednesdays noon till two Central Time, Electromagnetic Radio for soundtracks. Always good. We'll see you next time on my bloody podcast. Thank you for listening. We love you. Be spooky. I was gonna say Joe Lynch, talk to us. Yeah. He did. We we're gonna we're gonna bring Joe on again. He's gonna love it. I'm telling you, Joe versus the volcano. It's gotta happen. We're, we're gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna be a surprise. It's gonna be great. He's gonna love it. All right. Later, y'all.